Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I am glad you guys are joining me again this week for another podcast. So, a little bit of newsflash. Elliot is out. Um, He has some internet issues, um, and we're just not able to connect this week. And I actually don't know when we will be able to, but hopefully it won't be very long that he is out um, so I decided to go ahead and record this podcast on my own this week. Um, but do not fear, I actually got an awesome guest to help me out. It's Matt from High Prairie Sportsman. I know you guys have seen and heard from him many times. Uh, so he's going to have some big shoes to fill, but he's going to go ahead and jump on the podcast with me, and we're going to knock out the rest of the Q&A questions that you guys put up on the Facebook. So uh, definitely going to be a good one. So stay tuned for that. But before we, we jump right into the podcast, let's um, have a quick word from our partners and we'll get right to it. First off, I'd like to give a big thanks out to Bandit, Avery, and Greenhead Gear. Uh, guys, we've said it many times, but I'm a huge fan of the Bandit 2.0 waders. Um, once you go breathable, you're not going to go back to neoprene. Um, just that much more comfortable, uh, that much better at <laughs> doing the job that waders do, keeping you dry and all that. Um, so I hunted with them all season and so did Elliot and we both loved them. Um, you got the boots on the bottom that are 16, 1600 gram, um, and the rest of it's breathable. They do have an option to get, uh, ones that have, um, thermal, what's the right word for that? You know, uh, they got, they got a layer of warmth in there. I I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm having a brain issue right now, but, (laughs) uh, they keep you warm. So the ones I got though. Uh, are just straight breathable and um, you know it's still great I just layer accordingly um, and that's the way I would do it because you know early season we got all the September hunts you're gonna go on with the ducks or the, the early goose season and teal as well so uh, it's definitely good to have something that you can be cool in during that early season or at least attempt to it's still always just blazing hot in September so uh, definitely go over there check out Bandit Avery Greenhead Gear they got a whole line Anything you need for waterfowl, pretty much from decoys, blind bags, uh, gear, camo, waders, dog training gear, they got it all. Also like to give a big thanks out to Gunner Kennels. Uh, as we've we've talked about them for a while too, they've been a great po- uh, partner on the podcast. And Elliot and I both run the Gunner Kennel dog dog boxes, or dog kennels, um, you know, the back of our truck, perfect for uh, taking man's best friend from point a to point b and there's there's really just not a safer way to do it uh those things are tanks they're indestructible um all the time i'm seeing new posts from people uh showing their accidents what happened to them and the dog crate that uh pretty much saved their their pets lives and usually it's crazy but the people inside the car look off, worth worse off than the dog in the dog box um so definitely definitely um, something to consider when you're getting your dog crate for uh, your hunting buddy. 
Uh, so you use code DuckGun10 at checkout, and you get 10% off over there from Gunner Kennels. Also, guys, Gunner Kennels, American-made company. Um, so definitely never a better time to support our American-made companies. Also, like to give a big thanks out to HDR Innovations, another American-made company. Um, they got products from the Gun, scan, gun Stand, uh, the Layout Lounge, the Quack Pack, the A-Frame, all American-made products, and they're all awesome. Um, you know, the, the one that I always uh, like to talk about because it's one of my favorite, um, and I really, really want to share that with you guys, um, is the gun stand. And the gun stand um, sticks right into the water, right into the muck, and you set it right in front of you. Get, get on your marsh stool, and you can set your gun on there, your blind bag, um, have your, your game strap on there with your birds. It keeps everything out of the water, all your gear right in front of you. Um, if you haven't tried it or seen it, you really need to check these out. The HDR gun stands, um, like I said, just perfect for any of those situations. And uh, the code on that, again, is DuckGun10 uh, at checkout. And you get 10% off and free shipping with them as well. All righty. Um, I think that's about it. Let's go ahead and jump right into the podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and my co-host for tonight is Graybeard. Oh, no, it's not. We got Matt from High Prairie Sportsman. How are you doing tonight? What's going on, buddy? <laughs> All right. So we'll give you guys a little a little bit of background why Elliot is not here tonight. Um, so he's got some internet issues. His internet and cell phone are down um, I guess for the foreseeable future, because we're two days behind schedule on our recording for this week. And as the old saying goes, the show must go on. So um, Matt was gracious, gracious enough to grace us with his presence. And yeah, so we're going to go ahead and knock a podcast out tonight. You ready for it? Big shoes to fill. Big shoes to <laughs> fill. I don't know if I can do it. We'll see. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty hard to be as controversial as uh, Elliot, but... Um, <laughs> I'll try. Yeah. All, all in good fun. All in good fun. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the podcast topic for tonight. Um, as promised, we're going to go ahead and knock out the rest of the Q&As. And I know there's some that are specifically uh, pointed towards Elliot. And, well, I guess... I'll the, do my best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll uh, speak for Elliot, which I'm sure he will appreciate greatly. Um, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. We're just going to go ahead and actually, you know, before we jump into it, you know, uh, what, what you been up to, Matt? You been up to anything fun here lately? Ooh, well, it's summer, so not really. Just kind of scratching days off the calendar, waiting for September. But yeah. I, I did I did just get done fishing with Elliot, actually, a couple weeks ago. I guess that was pretty fun. But Nice. Uh, other than that, it's just been really hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been doing some fishing, too, and it just doesn't quite take the bite off of uh, the duck depression um, no. Yeah. So, you know, been doing, I've been doing a little bit of backyard training with chief here the last few days, getting back into it, which is like perfect timing. Maybe not. It's probably a little late. Um, <laughs> but honestly, uh, first few reps we've gone through first few days, we've gone to really hitting the training hard again. I mean, he's just done phenomenal. It's like, he didn't forget anything from last season. So that's awesome. So when are you going to start pigeon hunting? Because you can like you can do that in August or July, or is there even a no? There's there's no there. season at all. They're just okay. a, it's a a pest animal, so you can just do it whenever. Um, honestly, anytime okay. I could I could start doing it anytime. 
my big thing is I just wanted to make sure I was back in the training regiment. I don't want to just pigeon hunt to pigeon hunt. Um, and I'm going to need somebody else there because one thing I got to work on with chief is, um, which in, in the last couple of years, one thing I was really worried about was kind of drive and well, that issues that's gone for the most part, you <laughs> yeah. know, um, he has great drive. So it's more of, I want somebody there so that, um, I can work on him not breaking. He gets, okay. he gets fired up for pigeons. Yeah. But, um, I think besides that, um, like you said, not a lot, not a lot to do in the, in the summer. Um, just waiting for days and let's see, it's, uh, right now it's, it's June 25th. And so we got five days till July. So July and August, honestly, it's going to be here before we know it because I mean, you and I know that the content kind of revs up, um, into the last couple months. And then, um, I mean, it's just going to be here and <laughs> we'll, well be in the heat of it. Tell you? What did I just tell you? That's, uh, coming out tomorrow. Um, yeah, federal, federal duck stamp. So I had that in my calendar as well. And, um, first big milestone. Yeah. Yep. It's funny. My, uh, my post office lady knows because I, when I come in there every time I'm buying like, um, you know, I'm just buying a bundle of them because I buy enough for me and my buddies and, um, anybody else. Like I always try to have a few extras on hand too, in case, um, I have like a relative or, you know, my, my, uh, brother-in-law a lot of times he comes up and he didn't have one yet and you know if you're planning to hunt like the weekend of um you just want to have one on hand because in indiana we can't can't actually buy them online so i know some states you can you literally have yeah. to buy one at a post office and i live in a small town and literally the post office hours are like 9 30 to like 11 30 and then they close for like two hours at lunch and open from like 1 30 to 3 30 it's like when does anyone have time to go to the post office like it's just <laughs> So, um, I mean, cause that's, everybody's like, you can't go before work. You can't go at lunch. You can't go after work. Um, so yeah, you got to make special trips for that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess talking about the post office, been shipping up, shipping out some of the new duck gun patch hats. If you guys want them, um, the tan ones are actually halfway gone already, uh, of the order I put in. Um, so yeah, if you want a tan one, coffee and khaki as they're called, they're going fast. So make sure you jump on that. But yeah, let's go ahead. Unless you get unless you get anything else, Matt. Well, I want to know how I get one of these oak nuts decals. <laughs> you gotta I've buy seen a hat. These pop up on Facebook. Oh, okay, so that's that's yeah. The, so I got there. exactly enough decals for the hats. It was kind of like a special uh, run. I didn't know, you know, how people would feel about the duck nuts and decals. I mean, people are loving them. <laughs> I've actually got multiple requests just for the decal, but I literally bought just enough to kind of as a special giveaway for whoever bought. Um, that first run of uh, patch hats I was doing. So um, that's the deal on those. Um, unfortunately, I'm not. I didn't. I didn't get any extras. I just got enough for that. Um, so probably bad, bad uh, <laughs> um, planning on my part. Or I mean, I don't know. It's something I can make in the future, maybe. Or maybe I'll just leave it as a limited thing. You know, kind of. Yeah. You know, you can you can make whatever you want for that type of stuff. So it's kind of cool to have one off things here and there. Especially, I mean, just whatever you just design up a. A little logo or that one actually you know tim cochran tim cochran gets um the credit on that one because he posted that up there on the fellowship of the duck gun um right when everyone was doing the votes for whatever silly nickname that could come up for me so uh that's where we're at in that but yeah let's go ahead and jump on into the q a all right all right so we left off last week 
um, with our plans for Georgie and Chief. So next one we got is when are you guys going to come to Alaska and hunt? And that's kind of funny because I remember um, I think it was you that had your bucket list to be Alaska, right, Matt? Yep. Is this is this from the Alaska Viking? It's from Doug. I'm not sure if that's his um, okay. um, his username, like his first name on Facebook or not, but. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Alaska is definitely like, it's on the top of my list. I want to shoot a King Eider, Harlequin, all them Eider species, all them divers. Plus you go like halibut fishing and caribou hunting and salmon fishing. Alaska just sounds yeah. awesome. Like what I've seen on you know <laughs> video and TV and stuff. So I'm, I'm really pumped to go to Alaska at some point. Yeah. I'd love to do it. I, I know. I, I think I saw white rock decoys film uh a series where they went up to alaska and one of my favorite things is salmon fishing and obviously waterfowl hunting is you know my main (laughs) outdoor activity that i enjoy but (laughs) salmon fishing is a close second and they're able to do salmon fishing um and duck hunting combo so that was that was pretty cool um not only that but again fly fishing i've seen some really cool fly fishing with a mouse for giant trout um videos up there in Alaska as well. So yeah, definitely a cool state uh, for people who enjoy the outdoors. And we definitely both fall in that category. So I'm sure, actually, I mean, I don't know. The the part about Alaska is definitely the hardest state to travel to. I mean, probably besides Hawaii. But uh, (laughs) um, so if, if it wasn't for that, you know, it seems a little bit of a stretch here soon, but hopefully sometime in my life I'll make it there. Okay. Andrew asks, I'd like to hear some discussion on outboard versus long tail motor and surface drive and what your preference is based on environments you hunt. So obviously outboards, um, you know, it's not going to perform well in in the mud and weeds and all that kind of stuff and get weeds wrapped around your impeller and all that. Um, Long tail versus surface drive, they both do great in those. So I think anybody who's going to duck hunt you know, you just skip to the long tail and surface drive because the point of having a boat is to get two more areas, open up your options. And if you just have an outboard, you're cutting off some of those options because you're not yeah. going to be able to get into the good duck hunting spots, which usually are the shallow water and all that. So if you have a lot of big water and you have an outboard, that's all you got, you know, that's great. But um, I think, you know, moving to the long tail and surface drive is the way to go. As far as like long tail versus surface drive, the things I've seen is, um, surface drive definitely um, is faster than the long tail, and the long tail is a lot harder to steer. Long tails are cheaper than surface drives. I've actually been doing some research here um, for my boat, but um, the other thing about surface drive too is if you have a, a, a long tail, it's just a lot more range you have to go. So if you have any type of blind on the backside of your boat, um, that's going to get in the way of steering. So my preference is a surface drive, even though it's the most expensive, if you got the money. What, what yeah, you got, I think, Matt? Uh, you summed her up pretty good. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have too much experience with boats other than uh, I had an in-out motor one time. Well, I just got rid of that boat actually, so that was a great day. Um, but no, I, I would go with the surface drive. You know, you get a, you get a lot, a uh, lot more access into those shallow, marshy areas. That well, you know those seem to be the better duck hunting areas <laughs> and i guess it it really depends on uh depends on where you're at and how you hunt and a whole bunch of different factors but you know i, I i'm with you jordan I, i'd go you know being able to hunt shallow or water or 
would be up there for me. Yeah, and you know, both of us are are uh, amateurs on that information. So that's just my quick research yeah. <laughs> over the last few weeks as to what's best. But you know, it'd be best to, I guess, probably research it yourself or talk to somebody who knows better than we do because neither of us currently own a, uh, you know, or have enough knowledge. I got a boat motor right now, but we're kayakers and canoers. Yeah. Well, I'll be, hopefully I'll be doing a lot more boat duck hunting next year. Cause I'm getting into it. All right. Christopher Polk. Ask, you might have already covered it. Uh, cause I missed a lot of these due to work and making calls in the evening. Um, maybe some tips for capturing your hunts on film or, um, the best hunt of your life and why. So I guess that's a two part question. Um, so I'll just sum up the capture real quick and then we'll go ahead and share our, our favorite hunts of our life. But, um, you know, I guess the first tip, if you're just getting into filming it, you know, don't waste a bunch of money. Um, if you got a smartphone, which I think, you know, most people we're going to talk to on this podcast probably have a phone that has capability of filming, you know, use that. Obviously be careful around water if it's not waterproof, but use your phone. Um, you know, you can get cheap action cams, that type of stuff, just to kind of test out the waters and see if you are really into the editing and all that. And, you know, if you're just capturing them for yourself and all that, but I would say for sure, the easiest way is just get your cell phone out. Um, and don't forget to turn it to landscape mode instead of vertical, unless you're posting to TikTok. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So if you're just going to post it, Facebook, all that kind of stuff, it's real easy to get little clips from your phone. Um, Cool way to capture your memories. And then best hunt of your life and why. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, gosh dang. There's been, I mean, there's been so many great hunts. It's, it's really hard to narrow them down. It'd have, it'd have to be probably one with my dad. We, uh, we always go out to far western Nebraska, hunt with my cousins. It's been a yearly tradition since, shoot, I don't know, I was... 12 or so and my dad was going before then even that's just first year i got to go and i think we went out there and we limited out on geese like a six-man limit by 10 a.m and that was just an awesome hunt heated pit blind breakfast in the blind first time i ever experienced anything like that before we just sit up in cattails and stuff and i still do all that but that was just a fun hunt and you know being there with my cousins and my dad it was just a great time Awesome. Definitely a, a lot of what hunting is all about. Yep. What about you? Um, yeah, no, that's definitely a tough one. Uh, one that I've, I've talked about a lot is um, my first duck hunt where I really saw kind of like um, a large amount of ducks. I, I was literally fl- freaking out. So it's um, tell us to tell a story. Me and Hunter uh, went out on a hunt and um the day before, actually, yeah, I think it was the day before, or maybe it was two days before, I went out on a solo hunt, and um, literally, I just saw ducks dumping in like you wouldn't believe in this little hole that's right, a little offshoot uh, flooded off the main river, and I was sitting on the main river, and literally, I'm just sitting there, I'm just watching these ducks, like, group after group after group just land in there, and all you can hear is just uh, ducks um feet are chuckling and and going crazy and then you see whistling wings and they literally come like straight towards me they come over these trees come straight towards me then bank away and go and drop into this hole that was the offshoot of the river and so i'm like shoot i'm I'm not gonna shoot anything here honestly i don't know if i want to and this is like before i even knew how to duck hunt like i was 
you know, it was like the first time I was kind of experiencing this. And uh, so um, I go out and I literally I'm standing in my decoys when the first group literally goes to land on me. It's like a group of five. Um, and I'm just standing there, standing still. I didn't have my gun. And that was the first time I learned the lesson, don't walk anywhere when you're hunting without your gun. Um, but they they literally just, I had like two groups do that while I was standing in my decoy. So I probably packed up a little too soon. But I packed up. I was, like I said, I was freaking out. Um, called up my buddy, called up Hunter, and I said, hey, man, there's tons of ducks. And, like, he's thinking, like, oh, this guy doesn't know how to hunt. Like, he doesn't know anything. Like, a ton of ducks to him is probably, like, 12 or 20, you know, like, something <laughs> something super small. Um, but he finally, he agreed to come on the hunt with me. I'm like, hey, man, I know where all these ducks are going. We can go hunt it. And uh, so, yeah, we go and hunt it. And literally, we're sitting in the, the blind. There's a, a permanent blind out there in the public land. Um, it's built on that little offshoot of the river, <clears throat> but we're sitting there first light and it's still like, I don't even know, five, 10 minutes till shooting light. And there's just ducks after ducks, just pouring in everywhere, just all around us. And I'm, I'm literally freaking out. I'm like, Holy crap. There's ducks everywhere. They're just, they keep coming in. They keep flopping. Like they just keep uh, cupping right in and landing right in the decoys. And literally by the time it was shooting light, um, I don't know how many hundreds of ducks were there. But like within shooting range, there was hundreds of ducks just everywhere, Jeez. all around us. And so, you know, we finally, you know, shooting light comes and we just um, stand up slowly out of the blind. And, you know, you know, it was obviously it was mayhem. These <laughs> ducks just fly everywhere and we, we shoot, um, you know. And yeah, so the whole day was like that. We just kept getting groups. Honestly, my shooting was probably terrible because... Uh, we struggled like way more than we should have. Like now it would have been like, we, I would have limited out in like a couple minutes, you know, but at that point it wasn't that, but still it was just seeing the sights and sounds and everything that you can see on a duck hunt that I never experienced. And so even today that rivals is like one of the coolest as far as duck numbers and you seeing ducks cupping right into the spot. Um, and for those of you that watch the videos, you guys know that's the honey hole. So that's, that's where it first got its name on that day. The reason why, I guess, is just because, I don't know, it's just uh, a first kind of cool experience to see like a crazy, crazy, crazy duck hunt, um, you know, compared to days where you just kind of see a few here or there um, working your set. But yeah, long-winded answer to that. Okay, and Taylor asks, besides mallards, what is your next favorite species to shoot and why? Go ahead, Matt. Green wing teal. I don't know what it is about them. They're just cute little ducks, and they're tasty, and they decoy really well, and we have a ton of them out here. So that's probably, honestly, I'd probably take them over mallards, and I know I might get some hate on that. but That's crazy. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just like them. They just look so cool, and they just dump in your decoys all the time. Like, it's so easy to get teal to decoy. But, I mean, I mean don't get me wrong. I love shooting mallards and everything, but those green wing teal, they're, they're something else. I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm a little speechless right now. <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I don't think Till's on my, it's not even on my radar for favorite duck. Yeah. I mean, I, they do, they do taste great. I will give you that. Um, green wing till full plumage, green wing till late season as a beautiful bird, but man, there's nothing like mallards cupping in. I mean, Oh, I just I just love mallards. Like it's, I can't believe that 
a till is that close. Um, but <laughs> for you, <laughs> so it's crazy. Um, I would say a pintail, but obviously you guys know um, I, I can't say that because I've never shot one. Says, so what's your favorite species to shoot <laughs> specifically? So um, someday maybe I can say that. I can't say it yet. Um, I don't know. For us in Indiana, the only other bird we get a lot of um, are obviously geese and wood ducks. Uh, obviously, I have a ton of. I've had a ton of fun here late season for geese here the last few years. Um, but man, I really, I really do love a early morning wood duck shoot um, in early season, and that's pretty much. Uh, we don't get those a lot. We get them pretty much like the first couple weeks, maybe the first few weeks, and then all the wood ducks leave. So it's something that's really fun to have. Um, and I kind of miss partway through the season having um, those fun little wood duck shoots. Um, and then our uh, Benjamin Baker asks, what is your favorite shell to shoot and what kind of motion decoys do you use besides the mojo? Um, favorite shell, uh, I've been rocking the two and three quarter number fives by Boss for duck. Uh, it's just a really small load out of the 12 gauge, but it's super deadly for ducks. Um, I mean, I don't think you can beat that right now for ducks. Um, just all around. What you got, Matt? I, I, my answer to this question is usually whatever's cheapest. Uh, you know, I go to get the Walmart specials. Usually that's Winchester Super X. Uh, you know, how, how I work birds. And don't get me wrong, you know, I've heard great things about Boss and Federal and Heavy Steel and all that other stuff. And I just I like saving the money aspect on it on that, uh, so I just use the Winchester Super X's. Awesome. Um, and what kind of motion duck decoys do you use besides Mojos? Um, well, I, I said motion duck. Let's motion say it decoys. together. <laughs> yeah, motion ducks. Motion ducks decoy spreader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we both uh, become big believers in that and users in that. I've actually used it on a hunt last year where I did a solo hunt. And that's the only thing I put out was the ultimate spreader. Um, and I, I landed, you know, I don't know, multiple groups of, of ducks on the pond with me and, and shot, I should have shot my limit, but I had to go to work and I missed shots. So I shot three for six. If I shot just a little better, I would have shot my limit. Um, but it, it's like a jerk rig on steroids and it, I mean, it's so simple to use and yeah. so easy. Like, Oh yeah. It's awesome. I love it. It's like you said, it's so easy to use. It's so easy to put together. Um, especially like once you get the hang of it, like the first time maybe you're like, Oh, how do I get this, the ultimate spreader to the right spot? You know, flipping the two around when you, um, you know, just assemble it right there. But after you get it down, it's literally like one minute and you just have, like, if you use a jerk rig at all, there's no reason not to use a motion duck decoy spreader. It's just, you know, because it's the same thing, but way better. And just as easy to set up, if not easier. Yeah, I saw someone today actually on somewhere on social media. I don't know, can't remember where it was, but he was saying like him and three buddies each have like the ultimate one. So they had like something like twenty four decoys on it or <laughs> twenty eight decoys, like something crazy. And like they were all hooked, so they're just a giant raft. They were they'd pull back and forth. Like that that amount of motion has to be insane. Yeah, for sure. But, all right. Brian asks, I'd like to hear about you guys on spinners, especially Elliot. Um, I know he doesn't think the spinner works. Oh, he doesn't think pulling the spinner works, but I have a tip. Instead of pulling it, set it 50 yards 
from your hide away from the decoys. Try to hide it, in particular, in uh, buck brush or whatever cover you have. And for Jordan, how do you like the camera camera you're running? Um, so I don't understand that exactly. Instead of pulling it, set it 50 yards from your hide away from decoys. See, that's what Ben Page over at Foulfront does. He he believes in having the spinner even further than that. It's more to catch their attention and then look in that direction is his theory, and then they'll see your decoys. Yeah. Now, I've heard him talk about that before. Um, but, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm, I've never had them flare. I don't know if I've ever had them flare from the spinner. I really just don't think I have. I Yeah, I don't, you know, speaking for Elliot, <laughs> but... <laughs> No, I, I don't think I've ever had them flare just at the spinner. I, I know there's been days where I've hunted against people with spinners and they pulled in every bird and I didn't, you know, it was all passing shots for me. They just wouldn't commit because I didn't have a spinner. So it really, it's really dependent on the day, I think. Um, in my experience, sunny days are better for the spinner. Cloudy days, not so much. Um, I've had really good luck with them on foggy days as well. But, you know, you asked, you asked 10 different guys what their opinion on spinners are. You're going to get 10 different answers. It seems like. Yeah. But I feel like seven out of 10 are going to love it. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think spinners are great. Uh, speaking for Elliot, his favorite is dove, uh, dove mojos. He likes to run about five or six of those. Um, you know, that's just his personal uh, preference. (laughs) I thought it was freak babies with spinning wings sticking out of it. We'll see that. Yeah. (laughs) For those of you that listen to the podcast, you know both those are inside jokes. Um, but yeah, so uh, I guess for that, you know, that's an interesting uh, option to try. If if it ever comes yeah. up, you know, I, I will definitely try that, opposed to hiding it completely. Um, and then for me, uh, how do you like the camera you're running? So I have so many cameras, I don't know exactly which one you're talking about. Um but last season I ran the G85 Panasonic for the vlog camera. Um, that's great. It shoots very good uh, video quality up to 60 frames. Um, so yeah, you can get a little bit of slow-mo in there. As far as the GoPro, you know, GoPro 8 just came out, got one of those. Um, so those are great as well. And then shot cam, that's great as well. <laughs> you know, getting the kill shots. So I think I covered it all. Um, but I'm actually running the G85 now or not the G85, the GH5 now, which I'm going to get some super sexy slow-mo for next season. All right. Uh, Dave asks, when is there going to be Flyways Collective Apparel? Well, we've actually decided as a group not to have any at all, just because we don't want to promote ourselves. Wait, what? <laughs> no, that's, is that a joke? Yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> I was like- yeah. I don't remember that in the last meeting. <laughs> yeah. No, there's actually going to be coming some out soon. We got a sweet logo uh, made up. Um, Josh kind of spearhead that with some of his design guys for the apparel he makes. Um, we went through a couple revisions, and you know, it took a little bit, obviously, for six guys to kind of agree on what looks good. But I think the one we got now is going to look, look super awesome. Um, I'm looking forward to trying some different hat ideas to kind of kick it off. Um, don't quote me cause we haven't decided yet as a group, but I think that would look s- sweet on like a patch logo or obviously like 3d embroidery, something like that. So, um, stay tuned. We had, I don't know if we've posted the logo anywhere yet, but, um, nope. 
we haven't. Nope, so yet. we got our meeting in like a week and a half. So a week probably from when this podcast comes out and we'll probably get the game plan figured out for that here shortly. What else do we have coming out here, Jordan? What do you mean? Don't we have something oh, else other than the, like gear, clothes? <laughs> do we have something else coming out? Calendar, wasn't it? Oh, um, nothing that's official yet, I guess. But oh, oops, yeah. cats out the bag. <laughs> you guys got a sneak peek. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. We got a bunch of ideas for different flyways. Um, I guess gear, whatever you want to call that. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. Keep an ear to the ground, as they say. Um, so let's go ahead and jump to the next one. Anthony asks, after using Bosch shells the last season, what is the good, the bad, and the ugly? Will you be running them again this year? Um, good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, the good is that they hit harder than um, pretty much anything else um, as far as, you know, from what I've seen, yeah, I think they outperform uh, the bismuth on competitors. The great thing about American made shell as well. Um, I don't really know. I mean, obviously, with a premium shell, it's going to cost a little bit more. So that's, I guess, that's the ugly compared to like uh, a federal blue box, you know, which is um, kind of your standard low end steel. Is that like the, you know, is that a fair assessment? A federal blue box. Yeah, I'd say, you know, I'd throw Winchester Super X in there. That That's that's like all they sell for steel at my Walmart. So Yeah, so those uh, are kind of your, your steel options. Um, and then if you're going to step up to Bismuth, I mean, there's obviously some competitors that have jumped on the Bismuth bandwagon, seeing kind of what Boss has done with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just costs a little bit more, but uh, you get what you pay, pay for. And if you got the money, it's well worth it. Um, I will and, say this. Go ahead, man. Uh, okay. Yeah. So after reading up on all this boss and all, you know, cause like, uh, all the performance and stuff, you know, I got my 28 gauge now. I'm, I'm really, really considering buying a case of 28 gauge boss just for that reason, because, you know, well, especially with the 28 gauge, you have less, less pellets in there. So it, it's, it, I've got it narrowed down to boss and a few others, but I'm really leaning boss at this point right now. Awesome. Just just on what I read and reviews and talking to you guys. Yeah, I'll be running them as well. Um, what do you guys think about jerk lines? So I'm assuming he means like a jerk a jerk rig. Um, we kind of mentioned that with the motion duck motion decoys. Ducks. Yeah. So we both we both run them, but we run the motion duck decoy spreader because it's a jerk rig on steroids. Yeah. I guess we could allude. Uh, we could touch on that a little bit more uh you know motion super important in your decoy spread if you have a sheet of glass out there it just doesn't look natural to the birds so have a little bit of movement uh you know make some waves or whatever jerk string motion ducks we we use the motion ducks so you, you got to have motion out there though otherwise it doesn't look natural all right so um we got jake he asked is tungsten or bismuth worth the added cost over steel. So I think we kind of just touched that. Yeah. So tungsten, I mean, I, I mean, if you're a billionaire or like a millionaire, like money's not an issue. It's yeah. Like shoot, whatever's going to hit the hardest and shoot tungsten. Um, but like the jump from bismuth to tungsten is crazy. 
Um, you know, we're talking like five dollars a squeeze on tungsten. Like think about turkey turkey shells. Um, <laughs> most of them cost about twenty five for a box of five. So tungsten, you know, five dollars a squeeze. Uh, Bos bismuth, I think it's about a dollar ten per squeeze, and then steel is what like 70 cents and this is just quick math in my head um mm -hmm. yeah probably something like that so it's like it's not it's like 40 cents more per squeeze um if you're thinking you're going to shoot less cripples and all that um you know if you're going to shoot more ducks of it over the long term of the season for me it's reasonable enough reach to uh use that as an option you know um so that's where i stand on it yeah, and I, you know, like I said, I, I use the Walmart specials. I, I, you know, I like my birds in tight. So I think the closer you get your birds, the, the less the shell kind of matters. Um, not not saying that it doesn't matter at all, but you know, uh, some of these are. Yeah, I've got I've got to watch what I say here too. I don't I don't want to call them like Skybuster special or anything, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the thing is, people are going to sky bust no matter what shells yeah, they use. Yeah, it it really depends on how you hunt, though. I mean, and if you're shooting, you know, it, whether it's a bismuth or tungsten, you can maybe reach out a little for your shooting than compared to steel. But if you get them in close, you know, at fifteen twenty yard, you should should be able to shoot them dead. Now maybe that bismuth or tungsten will knock them dead, deader. You won't have as many cripples like Jordan's saying, but uh, you know. Yeah. It just depends. Yeah. So, I mean, we know tungsten's lethal a lot further. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because you think about people with their turkey chokes, and I mean, some people take ridiculously long shots with turkeys and kill them. Um, so, you know, if you're snipe, it just, show, I guess it shows the lethality. So, as far as that, but it's still something to be careful with to um, be moral and ethical. You know, we're not saying go out and, and shoot beyond your ethical range because just because that's it's lethal, you know, you're less accurate. You're going to put a couple BBs in them and, um, that's, yeah, there's, you're just going to wound them or, you know, they're going to live in discomfort. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead. That's a lot of money to be blowing at, you know, shooting at ducks at 60 or 70 yards too. Oh yeah. Or wherever you shoot them. So Andrew asked when overcrowding is an issue, what are some things to do? to have better success you want to go ahead you Matt? Can talk yeah you can talk to them you could join up with them i i i've never done that uh i know ben over at foul front once again he he does that quite often sounds like um you can go to your plan b plan c you know it's always good to have a couple other backup plans in case that happens you know if people beat you out don't crowd in on them just go somewhere else or walk a lot further. Sometimes you can't even hunt, you know, just pack it in and go scouting, try to beat them out the next day or hunt, hunt later in the morning, hunt in the afternoons. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can get around that. Uh, I guess those are about the two main ones that if I ever came across that issue, I would do. Yeah. Matt doesn't have to worry about that in Nebraska. So um, we don't have good duck hunting here, so no one hunts them. Yeah, I'm sure. There's just nobody that lives in Nebraska. Uh, but that's a more of a real issue for me. Um, so for sure, you know, it, it just it, it starts just like any other hunt. You know, um, you got to cross your T's, dot your I's on everything, especially when you're in a competition situation. 
um, which public land hunting, like it or not, a lot of times it is because you got groups over there and there. And there is times where you can team up and work together. But if it's like two groups of four, it's like, man, do you really want to hunt eight people? I don't. Um, but, you know, it still might be better than them setting up 50 yards behind you and trying to competition competition call the birds off of your set. So for me, it, it all starts at the beginning. You know, make sure you're scouting. Make sure you know where the ducks are going to be so you can be the first one there. Make sure, you know, that's the second thing. Make sure you are the first one there in the marsh. Then get to that spot that you scouted because you're going to have so many people around. You're not going to have the ability to move around. And, you know, if the birds aren't working where you thought they would, well, if you scouted right, hopefully you're in the right spot and you don't need to move because you can't with that many people um, hunting, you know, in a small public land area. So, you know, beyond that, um, with what will help you out, um, you know, I guess just making sure, you're, like I said, all your T's crossed and uh, I's dotted. Uh, make sure your concealment's perfect. Uh, you don't you don't want to waste any opportunity. You're probably going to have less opportunity. So if you have birds flaring off, by the time you fix your issues, you know, you're going to be out of luck. So I just make sure that everything you know about duck hunting, you're doing perfect. Um, and hopefully you're able to squeeze a few more birds out of it. And I guess just adding on to that real quick, another thing you can do, like if you're hunting an area with a lot of people and I have ran into this, I haven't had crowding issues, but I have hunted lakes and, you know, public areas with a lot of people on them. Try to do something differently than what they're doing. You know, um, a lot of guys will just run the mallard goose spreads. You know, so I got coot decoys. I've got tail decoys. I got other decoys uh, kind of that match the scouting for the species out here. You know, if a lot of guys are running seven spinners, I'm not, I'm pulling my spinner. Uh, if there's a heavy hunting pressure, birds will, you know, they'll get tighter because they get nervous. They don't talk a lot. So maybe don't call as much or don't call at all. Uh, especially if they're hammering on competition calls and, you know, tuck your decoys in tighter. You just got to kind of mix it, you know, and it just takes experience. But uh, those are just some things I've noticed in the past that have helped. Awesome. Yeah, you could probably do a full episode on that, but <laughs> let's yeah. go ahead oh, and jump yeah, to the next do. one. Uh, Jeremy says, shot cam, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm not sure if that's the same guy that asked the first, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but shot cam is, um, you know, it's a little expensive. That's the ugly. It's actually, it's pretty expensive. Um, the good is it's great to see like what's going wrong with your shooting. You know, you can see, uh, oh, every bird that I thought I was hitting, um, I was just hitting their feathers right off their butt. So uh, I've I've had that in the past. You know, I think it was two years ago at the beginning of the season. I'm like, I'm on these birds. I'm seeing feathers. But every single shot, I was being super consistent and shooting behind the bird. And so my pattern was just clipping the back of them, which isn't great. You know, you don't want to be sending birds off with, with BBs. Um, but that was what was happening. So. Uh, you know, I was able to correct that watching the footage and before I knew it, I was back in mid season form. So that's the good that's uh, about it. Um, bad, I guess the other bad is, uh, you have to double, you have to like tap the stock to turn it on. Sometimes I forget. Uh, but you know, (laughs) if you don't forget, then the battery that way lasts the whole hunt, you know, or more, you know? So that's, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly on it. I guess if you make films like I do, and Matt does, then that's great too to get uh, your kill shots on that. All right. So, 
yeah, let's go ahead and jump to the next question. Um, Danielle, or Dan, Daniel, sorry. Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the most clear. Oh, sorry. I got it. I'm going to have to do this whole thing again. All right. Daniel asks. Most clear moment when hunting brought you closer to God. Um, you know, definitely cool to see out and hunting uh, all of God's creation. Um, I guess I don't have like one specific time that I could mention as far as that goes, but I definitely enjoy being out there in God's creation. Yeah, and you know, I I'm not gonna get too religious or anything on that, but you know that that's. That's what I. That's just one aspect I love about hunting is you're out there enjoying nature, enjoying his creation and all that. Um, you know, it, it. You, you. I just, I just love being out in nature so much. That's why I love hunting and just seeing everything. So it, that's, I, I guess it, the whole experience every time I go out would be the answer there. Yep. Uh, definitely agree on that. So, Cody asks. E-scouting, public land spots uh, to physical scouting later. Um, so I guess he's asking about e-scouting. Uh, so for me, I use a lot of Onyx. I, I used to use Google Maps or um, the Apple version of that as well. Just kind of open it up whenever you go and looking at spots. But it's really cool to have Onyx because it has all the data information on there for, you know, even for private land, you know, you can... You can be driving down the road and you see a flooded spot in a cornfield and you just click and you see the tax inf- the tax information on who owns it. You can look that up and, uh, you know, go find their address. Or it usually has their address in there and you can just drive there and ask for permission. I mean, you're probably going to get a no, but at least you, <laughs> you can have a shot at getting it. So um, for me, you know, that's the e-scouting I do. Um, I do spend a lot of time kind of just scrolling around on the map looking. Um, I really like to do, this is one thing, if if you're passenger and you're riding around, um, just as you're driving, you know, just keep looking at your map, keep zooming out, and, oh, this this cool place right next to us is looks pretty ducky. Um, and then you kind of look at the information. And I actually just picked up another public land spot I didn't know about um, here in the last month. So, you know. Keep your eyes peeled and not physically. Obviously, you need to do that as well. Get out there, um, get eyes on it. I haven't done that yet, but I will soon on this new public land spot. Yeah, I use uh, so Nebraska. We have uh, <coughs> our game in parks has a online like public access map atlas kind of thing. I don't know if other states have that, or I'm sure some do, but I don't know if all of them do. Uh, but we ours does, so I use that a lot. And, um, you know, then I'll combine that with like Google maps or Bing maps or whatever. And then we also have, uh, they have all like lake maps. They've mapped all the lake like depths and stuff. And it's mainly for fishing, but if you don't have a kayak or a boat, it works great to know like where you can and can't wade public lakes. So I use that a lot when I was hunting in college around like some big reservoirs that were fairly deep and they would drop off quick, but because of those lake maps, I would know exactly where I could and couldn't go. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's see. I lost it. Okay. Andrew said, if you have $80 to spend towards waterfowl gear, 
what do you get? Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> that's a, do I need to replace anything or do I have <laughs> anything to start with? Like, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, for, for me right now, the thing I can think of is I'd probably get a, a Mojo or a Lucky Duck. Um, I'm pretty hard on mine. So I always seem to break them every year. That's, yeah. Shoot. Uh, a bunch of ammo. I, yeah, I'd probably go with ammo. Maybe some more coot decoys. Because you can never have too many coot decoys. I hope I hunt with you and I can shoot your coot decoys. <laughs> I just cleaned them today. And I was, I was cleaning all my decoys and I found someone, not me, shot one of my decoys. I found there's, there's BBs still sticking out of one of my <laughs> avian X's. Nice. Yeah. You have to go back to the tape and find out who did that. Yeah. Happens. But I need more coots. I blasted a goose decoy this year. I might've, I might've shot two, but I killed the goose. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all that matters. Excuse me. All right. Um, what decoys that can be used for ducks that don't even look like your target species? Dove, coot, confidence. <laughs> so, yeah, we've already covered coots. that. <laughs> coots all the way. If you've got coots in your area, buy rafts of them. Paint up old mallard decoys. Love coot decoys. Goose decoys work, too. Yeah, I'll say the the goose decoys you use dove mojos i haven't really liked the flickers so far um yeah i haven't heard good things about those so we'll see but yeah I there's am, definitely some I, options um i i'm yeah i really like I'm toying, what you see but i'm toying with the idea of swan decoys this year because we do have swans out here so i think if i had one or two swan decoys that might help too i don't know how i'm gonna make a swan decoy Okay. Um, sorry, I was reading the next question while you're talking about your swan decoy, but uh, <laughs> I would love I would love to see your swan decoy. Uh, all right, next question. Wyatt asks. He's, he's pretty much his his question is um, a little longer. I'm going to paraphrase it, but he's, he's asking about decoy spreads and what do you think you should use? Just mallards or other species? What do you recommend? Um, what should someone do when they're trying to buy build a solid general spread? Um, and what should be included? So obviously it really depends on where you live. Like uh, they mm -hmm. have like Western packs, which is pretty much a larger variety of, of ducks. You know, like Titus yeah. might see out in California. Um, as far as out here, it's like we see uh, just mallards. So that's all I run is mallards. Um, I mean, we do have the wood duck hunts and even then I just run mallards. I've, people have told me that if I use just wood ducks, I'll have better success. I mean, but how do you have better success than limits? I don't know. Um, but I might try wood ducks decoys. Um, but I think it's just kind of hunting what, what you see. Um, so, you know, build your spread for that. So for me, it's, it's really, it's going to be mallards, geese, and, um, and wood ducks, and maybe I'll get some pintail decoys just in case. But just, just uh, yeah, lure them in. Yeah, what do you think? So, Matt? so I'm going to use a term you're probably really familiar with, Jordan. Match the hatch. That's you know that's a term fly fishermen use a lot with their flies or whatever. But I I, I equate it back to duck hunting because 
match what you see out there scouting. You know, so if you've got like out here, I'm not too far from the sand hills. There's all kinds of ducks. We got divers, we got mallards, we got teal. So I've got all those. Plus we got coots and geese and everything else. So I've got a whole different, like I've got, I don't know how many different species of decoys I have, but, and I don't always run them at once. You know, I, I rely on my scouting experience from hunting those past places to kind of dictate what I run, when I run it and where I run it. Um, so yeah, it, it's a very, it's a very location specific kind of question he's asking. So depending on where he's at, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna vary. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, definitely agree on that. So as a general rule though, it's like, Start with mallards and start with Canada goose decoys, and then yep. work out from there. All right. Yeah, I'd say I'd say probably the next buy would be teal decoy if they're in your area. I mean, it seems like teal is the next most common duck across America. Not or, in my like, area. Well, okay, Indiana. I would say maybe from the central flyway <laughs> to the west, you're probably right, but to the to the yeah. east, not so much. Okay. <laughs> all right um scott hill asks, um how about summer scouting what to look for and what different techniques are used so again that kind of depends on your area like are you in a, a a place where waterfowl nests because you can see them on a lot of good habitat there but if you're further down um down south like elliot in kansas he really doesn't have a nesting population, so they don't see a lot of ducks or geese in this time of the year. Um, it is it is really hard to see actual waterfowl in your scouting um, this time of year, and really seeing them in the, in the numbers you're going to see them. Um, even even in northern Indiana, we do have a nesting population, um, and there is places I can go out and see quite a few few ducks. But as soon as the hunting pressure hits a lot of those places, they're out. So for me, my summer scouting is trying to find new places, get eyeballs on it and then figuring out the areas that would be good to hunt there. Um, you just kind of have to use your imagination a lot to uh, <laughs> figure out, you know, oh, it'd be really, you know, this looks like a great spot for, for waterfowl to land. I've seen them in similar places. Oh, and I can go set up over there, um, and it'll be great to hunt. It's shallow enough to walk in, set my decoys, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the stuff I go for, a lot of map scouting, then going there physically, um, and then taking a, a survey of the options and finding where I think is the best place to hunt, but really, really hunt. Like you have to hunt a place a few times or scout it first thing in the morning, a few times before you're going to get a good grasp on how it's going to go, but definitely doesn't hurt to do summer scouting. Yeah. I guess the only thing I would add, you know, it once again is very location based, but, um, another thing to look for is if you're a big field hunter, kind of drive by the fields that you might get permission and see what crops are planted there. You know, uh, corn or beans, about the main rotation across most of Nebraska and a lot of other states. But uh, that's one thing to look for. Otherwise, I mean, the only waterfowl I could even think you'd be scouting about this time of year is like goose, you know, family groups of geese for early goose season. Because otherwise, your migrators, they're not here yet. Your wetlands might be dry or full by the time you get there. Uh, so I guess you could, you could scout out the wetlands, see what the food looks like for teal season, but that's about it for like around my area. Yeah, yeah definitely agree. So yeah, um, that actually wraps up the question. So, Oh, dang. 
we knocked her out. So thank you everybody for uh, posting your questions in the podcast uh, Fellowship the Duck Gun group there on Facebook. Um, one of our actual favorite uh, to go ahead and um, record as far as the podcast goes. So I'm sure Elliot is sad that he uh, missed out on finishing the questions. Uh, but thanks, Matt, for jumping in. Appreciate you helping me out on this one. Yeah, anytime. So uh, hopefully Elliot gets this internet issue resolved um, here sooner than later, or uh, Matt might be the permanent co-host. <laughs> You're going to have to come up with a nickname for me now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, But yeah, I think that's all we got for this week. So uh, Matt, before we, we uh, sign off here, you want to go ahead and, and plug your uh, social medias? Yeah. So, uh, High Prairie Sportsman, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok too. I'm not a not as TikTok famous as Jordan yet, <laughs> but uh, maybe you guys can help me out. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, don't forget to follow the Flyways Collective on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. We're having a lot of awesome new content coming out there, and we've got some big things planned for you guys. Awesome. Sounds great. All right, folks. Thanks again for join, joining us. Joining, joining us for another podcast. I'm Jordan from Duckin' Chronicles. Matt from High Prairie Sportsman, and we'll see you guys on the next one. <laughs>